Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 226. Going from slalom to learning these skills and then being, it's its not just knowing how to do it, it's actually being able to use it in situations where maybe there's a little bit of danger or something harder like that. Yep. So I think, and then vice versa with the confidence that I get in a creek boat with running stuff that is really scary. I go to the top of a slalom course, I'm like, all right, this is a class three river, like nothing to be scared of, right? Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today, I got to sit down with a great friend of mine, Kalen Friedenson, the recent winner of the Green Race. He is competing for the U.S. national team in slalom. He has been globetrotting around the world, creek boating, freestyle paddling, big way surfing, racing in slalom boats, and we get to sit down, talk about some of his recent wins. We get to talk about his training, nutrition, mentality, and what's coming next for him. I think you guys are going to absolutely love this conversation. So let's wait no longer, dive right into it. Here is Kalen Friedenson. Uh, first off, Kalen, thank you so much for joining me. I'm stoked to have you here on the Art of Awesome podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I wanted to... Start off by saying congratulations on your recent win at the Green Race, which we're definitely going to dive into, and I'm excited to speak with you on that. But before we kind of get into that, I thought we'd start off a little bit with just kind of talking about how you got into paddle sports. You've got like a bit of a unique journey where you, at least for me, uh, it looks like a unique journey where you, you like you kind of got into kayaking, you do, you know, creek racing and slalom racing, you do freestyle, you're a freestyle champion, you kind of do it, do it all. And so I want to hear a little bit of your story of kind of how you got it into whitewater paddling in the first place, and then kind of how you dabbled into all these different things and then where we're going into the future. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so basically my dad loves outdoors, big outdoors guy. He's a science teacher. Um, and he got me into kayaking when I was very little. Um, the Potomac River is just a, it's, it's, it's right next to my house. So having the river there, um, having my dad kind of with that mentality of being outside um, and kind of just having fun being outside uh, really made it easy for me just, you know, spending all summer on the water when I was younger. Um, and then from there, just going to different places, like either going on to NOC for some freestyle competitions when I was younger, or going to Keener's when I was younger. And also we have a slalom club that's based out of the neighborhood that I live in, actually. So um, just doing that, I pretty much had access to all the different types of kayaking growing up. And mm -hmm. for me, it was hard to pick. Uh, I always had fun 
you know, no matter what I was doing. And I always found that I was able to learn different things that different things would transfer over, um, depending on what I was doing. And it was, yeah, as I got older, it was just, I couldn't let either one of them go. So here I am. <laughs> and and how old were you when you started again? I'm trying to remember. Around three or four. Um, three yeah, or I was four. Really oh, gosh, that was super little. Because I remember yeah. like doing keeners with you and I definitely paddled with you when you were young. Yeah. I remember yeah. there was that, I think it was the first year of Keeners. I, again, I don't remember exactly how old you were, but you were like infatuated with Bren Orton. He was one of the oh, guest, yeah. guest coaches that summer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bren, was, um, Bren yeah. was one of my earliest mentors. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was awesome having him up there. Um, so, But three or four. Okay, so you're three or four years old. You're doing all the different types of paddling and you've got all the different disciplines kind of you know, available to you. Was there any, in the early years, was there any in particular that you kind of like gravitated towards more than the other ones at first? Or was it kind of just from the get-go, you did everything always? I would say I definitely gravitated more towards freestyle and river running, just because Mm -hmm. everything was a little more relaxed. Um, Just growing up, like being younger, it's the slalom scene can be intense. Um for someone who's younger, I've learned to love it uh, now, obviously. But um, yeah, growing up, just being in a freestyle boat, it it made me, one, really comfortable, but it was also really fun just in the summer, the water's warm, just being upside down and like cooling off. And then a lot of my friends would also do freestyle and then kind of traveling to different places. And it was kind of nice just being able to kind of travel everywhere and be comfortable in the type of white water that I, that was put in front of me, I guess, or um so yeah definitely started off more freestyle when i was younger as i got older um gravitated more towards slalom as i kind of realized that like if i really wanted to be good at slalom the window is a lot shorter Mm -hmm. um so i really had to like put a lot more time into that and i always found that every time i hopped back in a plastic boat after being in a slalom boat for a long time i felt better even though i hadn't been in a plastic boat for a while um which was just it just made it easy to keep doing everything and made it easy to not have to choose. So th- that makes perfect sense to me in the sense that I see this a lot, especially in Europe. It seems like there's a lot more of um, a foundation with the club system and stuff like that, where people start in kind of slalom for the most part, or a lot mm-hmm. of Europeans start within the clubs and it's all kind of based on, a lot of the slalom foundational skills and stuff like that. And honestly, I think it makes for great paddlers, great forward strokes, great technique, all that kind of stuff. So, so doing slalom and then hopping back into a plastic boat and, and, you know, having your skills a little sharpened makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. What, what do you find or do you find, I guess that like, is there any gains that you get from, time in your creek boat or your play boat or just any plastic boat that translate into the slalom world as well yeah yeah definitely i always say like with slalom paddlers in my opinion i think they have the best technique out of all the different kayakers and Mm -hmm. skills however their confidence level Mm. when using those skills on something harder it's it's not there so (laughs) it's 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 funny when you see someone who only paddles slalom they're really good in a slalom but i mean you're like this is the best kayaker in the world like Mm-hmm. And then you put them in a plastic boat on a harder river where maybe there's a little danger or there's something that they're not totally used to. And they all that skill, all that technique, whatever they've learned over the past 10, 20 years of 
doing slalom every day, just out the window, gone. Hmm. And it's, I think for me, growing up in a plastic boat, in a freestyle boat at Keener's, you know, getting beat down, just comfortable in the water, comfortable underwater, upside down. And then going from slalom to learning these skills and then being, it's its not just knowing how to do it. It's actually being able to use it in situations where maybe there's a little bit of danger or something harder like that. Yep. So I think, and then vice versa with the confidence that I get in a creek boat with running stuff that is really scary. I go to the top of a slalom course. I'm like, all right, this is a class three river, like nothing to be scared of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it definitely goes back, back. Uh, it definitely goes both, <clears throat> both ways. Um, I would say like, confidence level building in a creek boat and then skills in a slalom boat and then i put it together normally and i think that's the the magic uh, it's the secret sauce right there yeah mm-hmm. i love that yeah. do you find that and and you kind of just mentioned on it a little bit right there but like with the fact that the slalom courses are class three whitewater for the most part mm-hmm. um do you ever get like does that help kind of calm the competitive nerves when you're at like a world cup event or world championships and, and try to like, cause it, you know, whether it be freestyle world championships or a green race or world cup slalom or whatever it is, you know, at a high level competition, people can get nervous um, just in the sense that they want to perform their absolute best. Do you kind of use yeah. the fact that the whitewater is easier to kind of just like try to calm yourself down by saying like, Oh, I've done way harder things than this. I'm going to be able to just nail this course. Yeah, of course. I, uh, I, I think with everything I do, there's always a little bit of nerves and Mm -hmm. it depends on what I'm doing to be nervous about. So if I'm running something really hard, I'm not really, I'm I'm nervous about, you know, obviously being safe Mm -hmm. and making it down well, and then also performing at my best to be safe. But in a slalom course, the, you're getting there's no real danger you're not going to get hurt um so it's like that part of it is just out the window and then my now my nerves or fear or whatever is okay i want to perform at my best i want to do really well and yeah i think it just changes um depending on what you're doing the nerves the fear factor just kind of changes but the one thing that i have noticed is like when there is a move in a slalom boat on a slalom course that's like harder Mm -hmm. uh for example like um if you're having to use a, a hole or a wave that might be kind of crashy or aggressive um, to like make one of the moves, I some slalom paddlers might be more nervous, not just making the move well, but like with the actual feature itself. Whereas for me, it's when I'm on a slalom course, it's all about just performing well. I'm never really scared of any of the features there, um, just because of all the bigger stuff that I do in a in a plastic boat. Yeah, and that and that makes sense. Like where. I imagine that the 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 racers that only ever train on the artificial courses and then you're like maybe there's an upgate in a wave or in a hole or something like that. And that might seem like a challenging move to some people where you're gonna be like, I've surfed holes ten times the size of that, either right, on the right. Potomac or on the Ottawa or wherever. Right. Um and so it kind of just like helps calm that and you're just like, okay, I'm just gonna focus on the technique. Yeah, exactly. Um, it it helps me isolate what I'm really trying to do instead of having all these other factors that might play into how I can perform. It's 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 easy to just kind of be like, okay, this is the one thing I need to focus on. Mm-hmm. Everything else isn't really affecting me right now, and then it makes it easier. Um, I always find it easier when I can really isolate things that I I need to do, and when all the other things kind of just happen naturally. Um, and it's a lot easier when you can only focus when you only need to focus on one thing. 
So in talking about that, I guess, so if we're, if you eliminate the fear when you're on the slalom course and you're able to like focus on the technique, does that then by doing that, you know, on repeat, whether it's like everyday training or whether it's everyday competing or however often you're competing, does that then translate to the green race where there is like, now we're back to class five and there is dangers and stuff like that. Like, so what's going through your mind or I guess like what's the difference or is there a difference between the starting gate at nationals where I think you're at about to compete tomorrow, maybe yep, yep. Um, versus like the starting gate at green race a week ago when you won or two. Yeah, it's, or it's definitely, it's definitely different. Um, Cause now, you know, with the, something like the green race, you kind of have, these factors that play, in, you know, you have the fear, like, okay, I could seriously get hurt here. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then you also want to perform well, you want to do well at the race. Um, mm-hmm. I do find with like something like green race, um, as I'm, when I first g- get to the green, my main goal is to just feel out, kind of get used to it again. I feel like every river has, every course has a different feel and starting slow, not racing at first, just kind of cruising down, getting used to the longboat again, getting used to just the feel of that river really helps me with being comfortable on it and in turn helps me not think about the dangers as much because mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable. So um, I remember I remember with the green this year, I had a few lines um, that on Gorilla and Go Left that were a little spicy, but after a few runs, I, I kind of got my rhythm down, I got my stroke timing down, and then now okay now i'm hitting the lines consistently okay now i can focus on something else you know i've now i've eliminated that factor of okay i'm i'm more comfortable with this i'm probably not going to get hurt now i can focus on going fast and mm-hmm. um even i mean there's always going to be that chance that you know you could get hurt but um i mean all you can do really is get as comfortable with it as you can and then move yeah. on um yeah and i, think and I also imagine like, I, I imagine that being more comfortable with it too it kind of helps. Um, again, this is in my opinion, but I also, I'm, I'm thinking that others might feel the same that, um, when you're comfortable for the most part, you're probably less likely to be making the mistakes because you're, you're probably like a little more loose and a little bit more like focusing on that technique versus like in your head, you know, doubting your technique and like fearing the the mistakes that could happen. Like you're almost like, there's like a thing like, you know, McCoy's on the Ottawa, there's mm-hmm. Phil's hole, big hole. And the classic mistake that people do is they, they're doing like this sneak where they're trying to avoid it. And instead of doing the sneak, they look straight at the phone pile and then they paddle straight into the phone pile because they're looking right at it. And, and I'm always telling people like, where you look is where you're going to go. And that's both like in reality in the sense that like physically that where you're looking, where you're going to go. But even mm-hmm. like in the mind, I'm a strong believer of like where you're thinking and where you're looking in the mind is where you're going to go in reality as well. Um, and so I, I'm imagining that like that you're you're kind of like you're loosening up by by focusing on that technique, but you're also just like not focusing on the worst case scenario you're like no i'm exactly. just going to stick with where i'm kind of aiming for no of course like when you're once you start getting your rhythm down on the green it's like okay i'm not even thinking about what's going wrong it's like all i'm thinking about is hitting these lines as fast as i can and then mm-hmm. the the least is you're going to be fine you know maybe mm-hmm. you make a little mistake here and there but i mean if you're really focused on just going 
fast, but also clean, having smooth lines because smooth is fast on the green. You know, it's not yep. all, not about going all out. Um, then those those dangers they they kind of just they're still there, but they they kind of get pushed aside, and and it's not something that you're really thinking about. Um, and it all and then that helps you perform as well. Yeah. So talking about speed and going fast and smooth is fast. I've talked with um, with Dane in the past about this and with Jessica Fox as well. Where are you gauging, like when you're talking about going fast, what are you aiming for in the sense of like pushing yourself? Like in percentage wise, because that's the easiest for me to kind of mm-hmm. wrap my head around it. What yeah. what percentage of like push are you going for? when, when you're talking about going fast and then, and then I'll ask a, a follow-up question about whether that difference differs from green racing versus like, you know, racing and slalom and stuff like that. But at the green, yeah. are you going hundred percent? Are you going 80, 50? Like, where are you kind of going on that? Like full out? Yeah. So I, I think I'm, I'm cruising at around 70, I would say is a good mm-hmm. estimate. I think for me though, it's, it's less about the pace and it's more about the rhythm. Like, obviously, mm. you want your pace to be, um, it's you know, you have to nail your pace, right? Because if you go too hard at the top, you're going to be too tired at the bottom. But the easiest way for me, I find when I'm trying to set a pace is is think about the rhythm. Um, and that's just when you're paddling. So say, okay, you're, you're paddling in flat water, like just on a lake. And you're left, right, left, right. You're just cruising. And eventually, you're not even thinking about it anymore. It's just, you're just going. And then... It's the same on the green for me. If I can get into that rhythm where I'm not even thinking about my forward strokes and I'm just cruising, it's like I'm not even thinking about the pace. It's just kind of happening naturally. And then I can kind of, you know, tell by heart rate a little bit. You know, I want my heart rate around like 150, 160, where it's low enough where I'm not um, like getting like physically exhausted. Um, but it's also not too low where, you know, I'm going slow. It's like it's that that easy, that that medium where. I'm able to hold a pace, but I'm also able to make these critical moves at the bottom because the green is so unique mm-hmm. with it. Basically, it's like, OK, you have a two minute sprint and then you're going to run gorilla in the slot. Yeah, yeah, it's like, exactly. Okay. So it's all about it. To me, it's all about the rhythm. It's just going in left, right. And it's even I did a lot of testing um, with like different like speeds and stuff um, just with like timing um, on the falls race earlier this summer. And I found like it's better just to keep taking like to keep alternating strokes like if you stay in your rhythm, it's better to do that than to be taking maybe double lefties or double righties. Maybe even if you're pushing harder, if you're able to just stay in the rhythm throughout the entire run, it's going to end up going faster at the end. Hmm. Um, so for me, it's like at the top of the green race, I'm like, okay, we, we go, we, we, you know, we start, we take a few hard strokes. I like to get up to speed. And then from there, I'm just trying to get myself into a rhythm where the boat is moving almost effortlessly. And from there it's like i'm just taking little strokes to little turning strokes but most i'm just paddling forwards um and mm-hmm. i try to get myself in places where i'm just paddling um and that seemed to work out really well this year because i didn't feel that tired coming into gorilla i definitely took it slower but because of that i was able to have cleaner lines to the slides and it just felt like instead of looking at it as a, a top section a middle section and a bottom section if you look at it, the whole run just keeping your rhythm the entire way down it's you know it's not just about how fast you're at the top or the bottom you know dane was four and a half seconds up ahead of me going into go left really Um, yeah and uh so it's not about you know obviously whatever it is but um it's about you know the whole run if you can keep that pace that rhythm throughout the entire run 
it's mm-hmm. like that's going to be faster than if you're maybe being push pushing up here slowing down a little bit here pushing it's like the yep. whole run together being consistent um that's kind of how i think good. of the couple races that i do and and for me personally and i am not racing you know ex- i've never raced slalom anywhere close to your skill level um but in my head when i'm doing racing like i have tried with different speeds and and pacing and i've just always found that the harder i go the more mistakes i'm making and so kind of going back to like your your pacing and your rhythm and your flow like for me i would tone down the like um either you know pace or the energy level like the output and i just focus on like okay just focus on good technique good strokes and like slow it down and don't make the mistakes because i see often and i've made many of these mistakes myself where people are like all out and then you're just like you're sprinting into mistakes and sprinting into mistakes is super slow because you you burn through the energy and the the mistakes cost whatever gain you got from sprinting do you know what i mean and then you've got no more gas to make the rest of the lines and the green in particular like some of the hardest if not the majority of the hardest uh moves to make are all in the last third of the race you know what i mean and so you've got to like you've got to survive you've got to you've got to kind of keep pace and maybe try to gain a little bit but really just kind of keep pace for the first two thirds and then you've got to like keep enough gas in the tank to like actually nail the lines for the second or for the last third, because that's where all the mistakes are made. And that's where all the time is going to be lost again. Yeah, exactly. That's in my personal opinion, but yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I mean, you, you see, like I put Dan and I's run next to each other after the race, just cause curious. And you know, he's going really hard at the top. He's, he's, he's clearly just overall moving faster than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can see kind of, and that's the top split. He was, he was a, a 52 or 53 and I was more of a 57. And, uh, he, uh, you could see like little mistakes started to happen through the mm-hmm. middle section. And I caught up a little bit and then in gorilla, he's still pretty far ahead. Um, you know, three, three and a half seconds or so. And then you come into power slide and his power slide was fine. It wasn't, you know, anything special. And then mine was pretty good. I, I uh, skipped out pretty well. And so mm-hmm. I catch up in the power slide and we're even going to the last slide. And it's like the last slide of the race is it's pretty, it's not that hard. It's out of compared to the other slides. Um, you kind of, if, as long as your bow's a little left and you don't get pushed into the right wall, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a move, I guess, in practice where when you're fresh, you would never make a mistake. It's like a move that you would only make a mistake. Whereas if you're tired and you don't have the energy to set up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, Dane plugged the last slide. And I didn't. So that's literally where the race was won is in the last side of the race. Um, wow. Which and is in really that, cool. if that's, if he's plugging it <clears throat> essentially on the landing too, that's like the yeah. last almost, I don't know, hundred feet yeah. of a, of exactly. a four and a half minute race or whatever, yeah. four minute race. Mm-hmm. Um, that's amazing. I, I'd love to check out those splits. Cause that, that sounds awesome to watch. No, to it see. was really cool. Um, that's, that is super cool. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess now moving from green race into back into slalom. So you're, you're competing at nationals tomorrow. Where's your mentality of like pacing and stuff for that? Are you pushing, you were saying you're going like 70% energy for green race. Again, that's a four minute race. If you're, you know, winning it, um, like you did, um, 
slalom is is closer to about usually like a two minute race. If I, am I correct there? Yeah, yeah, between between eighty and one hundred seconds, depending on the course. Okay, um, and so what's your what's your pacing like for that looking like, or or like uh, you know percentage of energy wise, how hard are you pushing for slalom? Yeah, I would say it's it's definitely closer to, um, definitely closer to one hundred. But it's it's never you're never going at one hundred because if you're going at one hundred, you just can't make the lines as smooth. Um, yeah. If you're using your if you're going all out, you're never going to be able to perform as well. So basically, what you want to get is your fitness high enough where you don't have to go at one hundred. You can go at mm-hmm. ninety five or ninety. Um, yep. And I would say with slalom, it's more like stacked moves back to back. So it's it's a lot more of like okay, I'm going hard now. Okay, now I'm backing off to set up. Okay, I do this upstream and now I'm boom, I'm gone again. Hmm. And it's like, it's more about the 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 pacing where it, it, you know, you're going hard and then you back off a little and then go hard again. And it's whoever can, it's 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 kind of like a, a race, you know, an F1 race where they're going fast and then whoever hits the brakes last on the turn will yeah. come out front. And it's, it's, it's really similar. And then obviously if you hit the brakes too late and then you're coming into the move too hot and it's like yep. that, that sweet spot is what you're, what you're looking for. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. And when you're talking to about like, you know, getting your, um, kind of keeping that endurance high and, and just, you know, it's going full out. Are you doing, are you training off water for, you know, endurance or lung capacity, or is it all on water with like just paddling and keeping your, arms and your shoulders strong or like what are you doing for training wise that is i guess more specific for slalom um that obviously helps with everything else too but what's your training look like for slalom yeah so we have our national team coach and he sets our program basically Mm -hmm. um but it basically looks like um i guess a a week a week in the life or whatever would Mm -hmm. be like um on monday would do some kind of harder interval type workout on the water. Um, in the winter, we really are mostly on the flat water, just kind of putting in like the the grunt work, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so whether it's doing 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, you know, times 10 or whatever, four sets of that, that's a common one. Or same with like 15s or we've done a minute, a minute on, a minute off. So it's like some kind of intervals on Monday um, along with either a gym session or kind of an aerobic paddle, which is, where your heart rate's a lot lower that you, a pace you can really hold for like a, two hours or something, an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Um, and then on Tuesday, you'll have something quicker where it's more like you're with aerobic, you're getting, or not, sorry, with uh, intervals, you're getting lactic. You're getting like your, your, your arms are getting hard. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess your muscles are getting tight. Um, and then on Tuesday, we'll do something like shorter sprints, but with bigger rest. So it's all about like, going as hard as you can, fully recovering, and then doing it again, either with um, some resistance, either like we have these, we make these little resistance bands where we have tennis balls and put uh, ropes through the tennis balls and you put that over your boat and it just creates resistance. And um, either with that or you put weight in the boat, having to pull a heavier boat, but that's more just getting your twitch, your quick twitch and you're all out kind of up and you want to have a long break for that because you want to be able to go all out every time for that and then wednesday back to when you're talking about those small sprints how fast is a small sprint Uh, between like seven and eight seconds six six eight seconds so that's it's really quick just all out and um 
and then you rest for like two and a half minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then we'll go back to intervals on Wednesday or something like that. Something more um, lactic, something where you're you're uh, improving your lactic threshold, and and then along with gym, usually we're doing like gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and and then after intervals, he also likes to have us do the aerobic paddle, which like it's really just to get your system working for a long period of time, and that um, it helps you there with your aerobic capacity, but also it helps with just kind of recovery because those those interval workouts are really intense in the body and that's that's one part where you can really overtrain yourself um if you're not recovering well mm-hmm. and so those really help with just like if you know you can kind of think of your body as like a, a system as you're paddling and if you're running the the system you know if it's a car or whatever you're running it at a thousand rpms for two hours it's not gonna um it's not gonna and- hurt the engine but it's gonna keep it loose you know mm-hmm. and um and then we're kind of alternating with like a harder day, something more uh, lactic and aerobic, and then going to twitch, quick twitch, um, quick stuff. And then um, kind of alternating. And then we'll have an off day where we'll either do a gym or go on a run or something. Um, and the way he kind of does this throughout the whole year is like we're going four week increments. So like each week we're going to add more to like each workout. So maybe at the, uh, the first week we'll do well, with the intervals, we're doing three sets. And next week, we'll do four sets. Maybe we'll add another, um, like, maybe the first we do seven 30-30s, and then we'll do 10 30-30s, you know, just kind of building up on each other every week. And then the fourth week, you back off, let your body recover. Same thing, just not as much uh, volume through that week. And then um, and then we go back at it again for another four-week cycle. And, uh, and then what about, yeah. like... Uh... Like your nutrition, do, do you have, does the coach kind of give you guys guidance on that? Or do you have someone else that gives you guidance or do, are you just like eating McDonald's every day and just not worrying about it? Cause you're burning so many calories anyway. Yeah. So we have, um, the USOPC gives us, uh, some resources with nutritionists and, um, and gym, uh, yeah, also with gym too. But um, yeah, so with nutrition, you know, making sure you're getting your carbs, protein after workouts, um, mm-hmm. vegetables, of course. Um, but really, it's a lot of carbs, um, a lot, a lot of carbs. Um, and especially on those harder days where you're like working out twice a day for maybe, you know, two two hours each or whatever. Because um, we burn a lot of energy. And, and in kayaking, especially, it's, it's a lot of energy burn. So just mm-hmm. a lot of carbs. Um, and then obviously making sure you have protein to recover and for your muscles. So mm-hmm. what about uh, hydration? Oh yeah. That's big. Huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Drink so much water. You can tell like when you're not drinking enough water, I mean, you can tell you're, you're just not working as efficiently. Like, yeah, um, I can feel it. I mean, that, I think that's, I think that's probably one of the coolest things I've noticed, like hopping on this, you know, more professional side of kayaking, uh, you would say, or more, more like, you know, it's, it's like the little things you can really tell the difference. Like mm-hmm. if I'm not, if I'm a little dehydrated, it's not that I'm just like, okay, like I'm peeing yellow. No, it's like, okay, my muscles aren't like releasing as quickly or, mm-hmm. you know, as well. It's like when I'm contracting them for different uh, movements and stuff or for like longer workouts, like you're not going to get a cramp, but you'll feel it, you know, like you, it's just, it's these little things that you can feel that, um, that make huge differences. Also stretching too. I'm that's the one where I'm not as good at, but uh, <laughs> no, that one's huge as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And then I guess as, so how old are you now, Kalen? 20. 
20. Gosh, still super young. Where does mentality and kind of like the mental side of sport kind of fit in for you? Do you train for that? Is that even like on your radar? Do you find you've gained any more with the experience like over the years? Kind of what's, what's you're going into nationals tomorrow. So you got to have like some sort of like, yeah, of course. you have a game plan. Are you visualizing? Like, how's that all looking? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we got a, or we each have our own, but I have a, um, a sports psych and, uh, Normally before bigger races, I'll talk to her um, mm-hmm. just um, on Zoom or whatever on FaceTime before the race. And it's f- like a lot of the- she says a lot of nice things or important things about just like preparing for races and uh, getting yourself in the right mindset. But it's really it's really specific to the person. You know, some people like to race nervous. Some people like to race calm. Um, you know, one of my best friends, he's living with me now. He likes to get really nervous before the race. He likes to be all, you know, hyped up. For me, I'm like the complete opposite. I like to be completely calm, just super relaxed. And, but it's hard when you're you're about to start a race. You know, you got all these nerves. It's like, how do you get yourself to the place that you need to be to perform at your best? And I think one of the things that worked, especially for me, is when I get really nervous. If you can just tell yourself, "I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited," yes. and that it really works. You no, know, like, um, and. Cause you have all this energy and it's not like you're going to just put it anywhere. You're not, you can't just get rid of it. You got to kind of use it. And, uh, just telling myself that I'm excited. I almost, you can see it. I think a lot in in a lot of videos before my slalom races, I almost start laughing or like giggling in in the start gate just because like, I'm so nervous or whatever, you know, so much nerves, whatever, so much going on. And then I'm able to like turn that into just kind of joy and excitement and, it's also because, you know, we've been paddling on in this course, the, you know, training the weeks before the race. And then we get really get weaned off the course kind of leading up to the race. You know, we want to recover like physically. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't get to go kayaking as much anymore. Mm-hmm. because I'm, And then it's like, oh, I get to go kayaking again. And it's like, if you can, it's, 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 it was hard for me to like figure it out at first, but you really can manipulate your, your, um, your energy and like the way you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You can't kind of, you can't really change it. Uh. You can't like, no, nah, that's not what I meant to say. You can't um, like, like the energy you have, it's going to be there. You don't want to fight it. Mm-hmm. So you want to kind of understand it and then use it. Yeah. Because you can't really, you can't fight it, you know? It's, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's interesting that, that you say that you like to race more calm because I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, And I remember actually being at the, the Potomac race one year and, and Pat Keller was there. And I remember him telling me like, okay, it's time to get angry. And I'm just thinking like, no, like that's, <laughs> that is not how I prepare for a race. Like I get like super Zen, like, like, yeah. and try to calm down. And so I understand that different people try to harness that energy in different ways. Yeah. Um, and, and I like how you say that you have, and I'm guessing this is through experience of your, you know, almost 17 years of paddling now, but, um, that you're trying to change the nerves to excitement because that is actually your brain can't tell the difference between nervousness and excitement. And so that's actually the easiest way to switch it is when you feel nervous to continually tell yourself, I am so excited. And then it switches that energy from a nervous, like a nervous energy to an excited energy. Um, And it's of any ways to kind of like, manipulate or change the energy that one um is the easiest and so it's oh yeah 
intriguing that you use the, a, a very oh, yeah. similar tactic than, as yeah. I do. Um, that is so cool. I, it's also interesting talking, you saying that you have a friend that likes to race nervous. I Oh my I goodness. He is <laughs> so the opposite of how I would ever want to race. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because different people, it, it's, it's not like, okay, he likes to race here and I like to race here. It's like, it's more mm -hmm. of a spectrum, right? Cause it's like, right. um, you know, some people like to race more nervous and less nervous. And mm -hmm. sometimes before a race, maybe I'll be way too calm and I'll be yep. like, okay, I need to like hype myself up a little yep. bit. And it's, it's yep. not always bringing yourself down. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's in more getting yourself to the, to the same feeling before every race. Yeah. So it's so maybe sometimes you need to get hyped and you're like, okay, I'm not nervous enough. I'm way too relaxed. You know, I'm not yep. taking this seriously enough. I'm not as focused because that's the one thing with nerves is you get really focused. You know, it's like it, you know, when you're, it's like that fight or flight, you get really locked in the adrenaline's pumping and which really helps for some people if they're able to control that when they're really nervous. I mean, they have so much adrenaline going and they're, mm -hmm. they're super locked in. And I think that's what for him like really helps is he's, he gets really stressed, but you can see it like right before his race and then he just explodes and he's, he goes and then he attacks. I mean, he can watch me attacks everything and it's really fast. Um, but then for me, I like, you know, just calm it down a little bit, but more just getting myself to that right median of not to relax. So I'm not just, you know, lollygagging or whatever, mm -hmm. but also not too stressed out. So I'm making silly mistakes. Um, yeah. I think if I can get myself in that right median, and you, it's, it's all a feeling thing. It's, it's different for everyone. It's, it's kind of that when you, you can kind of know it when you, you have a good race, you're like, well, okay. What was I feeling before that race? You know, yeah. what, what point did I get to there? And then you kind of try to repeat it. It's all about repetition. I love that. I love that mentality. You and I seem to, uh, to kind of have a very similar mentality or like aiming for a similar mentality for sure. I might have to be aiming for more of your speed. Maybe I'll work on that and moving into the future. Um, and talking about moving into the future, what, uh, so obviously you've got nationals tomorrow where, I mean, we've got, uh, the Olympics coming up next year. We've got boater cross coming into the Olympics for, for the, it's debut. Mm -hmm. uh, what is, uh, what's the future looking like for you? Where are you aiming for in the next, you know, six, 12 months, three years, somewhere in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I want to, I want to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely been a goal of mine for a while and, uh, and something that I've been working for, um, next year, basically for that to happen, there's a race in Brazil either of the uh, American teams team. So like the top three of us um, in K1 men have to win that race. And that's kind of the Pan American Olympic qualifier. Mm -hmm. So any of the like Canada, Mexico, Brazil, you know, any of the South American um, countries, basically all the American countries will be there racing. And whoever wins that race will get the spot out of all the Americas. And so either one of us have to win. And that, all that does is give us a chance to race each other for that spot. It doesn't give you any advantage. All that does is just give us the, the spot, like as a country. Mm. So somebody then, has to win, and then yeah. you have to still do a trial to see who gets to go. Yeah, exactly. So wow. it's 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 such a long process. Um, and then that process of who gets to go is, you know, there's two team trial races in the spring, and then um, usually there's the last there's usually a third one which is usually the first world cup of the year and so you mm. honestly don't even know that you're going until like right before sometimes wow. um, at least in 2020 or 2021 at least uh for c1 and kayak i think we didn't know who was going until the, that Prague world cup which was 
not even I think a month before the games. So um, that is crazy. That is yeah. like that is so wild to think yeah. that not only are all three like so there's three of you guys you know vying yeah. for the spot that all three of you are training as hard as you can to go to the Olympics and nobody even knows who gets to go until a month before. Like, wow, that is yeah. that is wild. Yeah, no, it's well, it's crazy. It's also it's a hard mindset to to kind of like accept too. Um, yeah. And I think for me, with all the other types of kayaking I do, it it helps kind of having this not be my only thing, you know? Right. Um, I was speaking with someone recently about that, like even just at the World Championships for Freestyle, about having other things in life. Almost like, for again, speaking from my personal experience, it, it kind of helps calm the nerves. Whereas like, if this is your only thing, if you have been training your entire life for this one event, it, that is a lot of pressure because you're essentially trying to like validate all of those years, all of yeah. that training, all of that dedication. It's a lot of pressure. So again, for me personally, I think trying to like open it up and be like, just have more things in life versus just like that one thing, it, it actually removes the pressure and it helps enable you to perform at your best so exactly exactly yeah. if you can make kayaking just like everyday walking then mm -hmm. it's easy to walk right mm -hmm. you know so. well kalen i absolutely love your story i love your journey i wish you the very best and i feel like i talk with you for hours about this just about mentality about training all this stuff but i'm going to move us on to the next part of the show called the fire round i'm going to fire off a couple quick questions for you. And then I'm going to let you get some rest before your nationals tomorrow. First okay. question for you. Do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you live by? This is one that I, uh, I kind of thought of, um, but it was when I, I broke my back, uh, late last year and let me just make sure I got this right. Sorry. Um, it's, um, I think it's a good one for when you're feeling a little down and um and you kind of just need a little bit of uh, a little pick me up. Mm -hmm. But uh but I kind of I thought of this when I was and it's 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 when the world feels like it's going to end you just call it bluff. And I really like mm. that because last year when everything felt like it was just coming down I was like cuz for me it was like kayaking's everything whatever, you know. And then kayaking was taken away from me and that's never happened to me before and that mm -hmm. felt like everything was just ending. And mm -hmm. I just kept living and here I am, you know? So it's like, if you just call it bluff, you see what happens, you know? I just love that quote. Um, and, and it's, yeah, I mean, it really, it makes a lot of sense in my world as well. Um, do you have a favorite book or a recent book that you have been reading? Do you read I, books? I don't even know at your age. You're like Gen Z. Like, do you guys even read anymore? Is that not really. Thing? I, uh, <laughs> not really. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, I'm not a big reader. Uh, I'm dyslexic, so it's, it's pretty hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just growing up in school, like with reading, it, it was never something that I like really enjoyed. So, um, I totally yeah. just had an idea cause I'm pretty sporadic like this and just, yeah. I wonder if we made a book out of emojis, if Gen Z would read them more, you think that's a thing? Do you think that would happen? I don't know. My the problem is you need to make a book that's six to seven seconds long and then a bunch <laughs> of them because after six to seven seconds, the attention span is just gone. 
<laughs> I'll work you need to out. make a TikTok for books and and make it in video form. Yeah, <laughs> and then make it and make it so you can easily scroll through. It. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, okay, so what might be a recent lesson that you have learned through either a mistake or through success? So maybe something from breaking your back, or maybe from winning the green race, or I don't know. Is there any lessons that you've learned recently? Yeah. So I, I think, um, you know, everyone has their plan of mm-hmm. what they want to do or their goals or whatever, and how they want it to end up. And I think it's really important sometimes to, when things kind of start going off to just kind of take a step back and just relax. Because I know for me this whole year, it, this year was a lot. It was just, it was the slalom year was, was good. It was a little hard though. Just like, as I'm, you know, getting older and racing against, I mean, the best in the world, Olympic champions. And it's, it's so competitive and it's, mm-hmm. sometimes it's frustrating coming in from you when you're in a Creek boat and you're doing really well. And then you go to slalom race and you're not even making sense, not even making the semifinal. Right. And that can be really frustrating, but if you just keep on going and then, you know, this, the green race happened and I was a complete, you know, I was obviously want to win, but you know, I wasn't expecting that at all. So it's, it's, it's really just just keep on keep on chugging because just because not everything's turning out exactly the way you want it doesn't mean that the uh the big picture is changing mm-hmm. i love that as well um this is one of my favorite questions that i ask all of my guests kalen and i always find it um interesting when i ask this to younger guests even though at 20 you're not crazy young but you're still younger than me so so i i get to call you young um if today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, all your training, all your races, all your wins, all your accolades, everything, your expeditions, all that stuff, it was all to go away with you. And all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen. And you could write down three truths, three things that you believe to be true. This could be to share with friends, with family members, with future generations, what might those three truths be? The hard one. Um, I would say one, maybe just like trusting yourself. I think that's something that as I grew up, it's I learned a lot is just like you'll have so many different opinions coming in and so many people trying to tell you what to do and what what's like, you know, what you should do and how to do this and but a lot of the time, if you just kind of trust your gut and trust yourself, I think that's one of the, the most important things too. It's just really trusting yourself. Um, let's see another. Uh, I would say. Um, I would say having something that you're really passionate about. I think that really drives your drives you not just with that thing that you're passionate about, but it also helps you um kind of understand other people as well and even if that's not something that you're really passionate about you can understand the feeling that they get when they do that because you get that same feeling just from something else Um, i think that's really important and i would say another one is is uh is I would say something about getting having your your close circle, your friends. I think that's one of the, like for me is like my most important thing is having my friends. Um, 
I, I know like just over the recent years, just like as we get older, you know, it's like, wow, I've known these people for so long. It's like, and then like, those are the people that you're going to know for the rest of your life, you know? And it's like having like that, that group of friends and like really like putting in the extra bit of time to, to make those relationships solid and strong and last forever is so important because I think one of the worst feelings in the world is when you feel absolutely alone. Mm -hmm. Wow. <clears throat> Kalen, I absolutely love that. I, I believe that you are wise beyond your 20 years. Um, I wish you the absolute best with the coming races and national championships. Something that I always try to do because I gain so much value out of these conversations and these interviews is I try to provide any sort of value back to my guests. So is there anything that you are currently focusing on that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my guests or my listeners? Sorry. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, um, I think just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe just like if, you know, if everyone is just, you know, very supportive of everything, I, I, I feel like I get a lot of like with doing slalom and creaking, I feel like I got a lot of like, not backlash, but you know, from slalom, it's like, well, you're not as good at this because you do this, or you're not as good at this because you do this. And I feel like if people can just kind of look at things with an open mind and just understand what I'm trying to do, I think it'll, it's, it's a lot easier for me to just do it. Um, I think. I, I love that. And, and I <laughs> highly encourage you to just keep doing whatever yeah. it is that you're doing. Yeah. And something that I have learned over the years is just straight up. Don't listen to the haters, dude, whether it be a coach or whether it be a family member or a friend or some random person on social media, if they're throwing shade, dude, just like it means you're doing something right. It means. Yeah. And it, it honestly, I have, this is going to sound a little weird, but it usually comes out of some, um, subconscious level of jealousy where yeah. whether you're chasing your own dreams and they wish they would have been able to do that or whether you're skilled in a way that they're not or something of the sort. Um, so I would just dis when people congratulate you, I encourage you to stay humble and, and be grateful and, you know, stay. Thank you. When people throw shade, I encourage you to just like, not even listen, dude, just let it like, Go, don't even let it go through one ear and out the other. Just like, just put a blockade and don't even hear it in the first place. At least, honestly, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Cause I mean, there's, yeah. dude, there's always I mean, gonna be haters. Whatever. There's only one person living in your life. So they don't yeah. know the whole story. Exactly. And they don't like, it doesn't matter because this is your life and it's your story. And whatever it is that you're interested in, do that. Like, don't worry about the other people and their version of what it looks like. like whatever, dude. Yeah. Keep doing yeah. what you're doing, man. You're rocking it. Thank you. Appreciate it. For all of the people out there, and I highly encourage everybody to do this, but for all of the people out there that want to follow along, continue along with your journey, what might be the best place uh, or way for people to follow along and connect with you? I would say probably through Instagram. I think that's, I post a little bit on YouTube and Facebook, but I think everything I post usually goes to Instagram. Um, awesome. 
Awesome. And so for everybody out there, go check out Kalen on Instagram. It is uh, Kalen Kayak, and that's K-A-E-L-I-N, because I always spell your name wrong. I'm so sorry about that, Kalen. <laughs> but uh, I, I or, okay, maybe not always, but I have regularly spelled your name wrong. I get the E and the A and the I. I'm also a little bit dyslexic. So anyway, I like to use that as my excuse, but oh, I'm sorry you're not. I've gotten better <laughs> at spelling your name. So we're good now. Um, yeah. But either way, go give get Kalen a follow. He does some pretty incredible stuff in all kayaks and it's pretty awesome to watch. Final question of the day for you, bud. What is your definition of awesome? My definition of awesome. Um, I think it's awesome when I see people doing what they want to do because you can kind of tell when you know that what the, that they're doing what they want to do. It's something. It's the way they carry themselves. It's the way that they. They, they talk about it. Um, you just see a much more positive and happy person. And I think it's awesome when you can see people chasing or striving to do things that they actually want to do instead of just doing things what people tell them to do. That is awesome. I can tell you're doing what you love to do, and I encourage you to keep doing it. You're a shining light and beacon for all of us. So keep that up, Kalen. I hope for all my listeners out there, you can use Kalen as an example. Go chase your dreams. Do what you love to do. And I hope you guys got some value out of this conversation. If you did, please share it with someone else that might need to hear Kalen's story. And uh, if you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts because it helps us grow our community and collective as a whole which is really my whole point with this podcast in the first place. So thank you for doing that. As always, I am Nick Troutman signing off with Kalen, wishing you all a truly awesome day. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.